What is up, everybody? Welcome into uh, the first live episode of uh, Speedway Soccer in quite a while, but uh, we're glad to be back. Uh, little little extended break there that we weren't quite expecting, but hey, that's life. That's the way it played out. We're glad you're here hanging out with us. I am Davey Shepard. I will be hosting tonight's episode, and we got a full panel here tonight. Ben Wright, you know. Jonathan Slape, you know. Uh, Chris Ivey, you've met before. He's done one live episode. We've got the new boy making his first call up on a live episode. Josh Young over from Paradise Park. Welcome to the crowd, man. Hey, what's up, guys? Happy to be here. I'm just uh, going to try to put in a shift, you know, see what I can do to uh, just help this prestigious uh, this prestigious show. I do have one We're quick question. Does Donald know you're doing this, or is this going to be a situation very similar to when you wrote your first uh, piece for, for Broadway Sports that <laughs> Donald is about to find out um, when he just so happens to stumble into this it's the it's this it's the same thing yeah it's he'll handle it with the uh with the maturity that he uh he handles every uh, situation that that comes his way with (laughs) i love it guys look we're we're gonna get right into it we've got uh uh, quite a bit to talk about tonight uh first let's shout out who's hosting us uh we're speedway soccer brought to you by broadway sports media and 104.5 the zone Grateful for both of those partnerships. Uh, subscribe to the 104.5 The Zone podcast networks. Subscribe to Broadway Sports Media if you haven't already. Uh, getting right into Titan season now, so there's a lot of coverage that's going to be behind paywalls. I know the soccer stuff isn't always, but there's going to be a lot out there that you want to look at. So, so go ahead and get those subscriptions done if you haven't already. As always, like, rate, review, all of that stuff, the whole nine. Check it out. Guys, we're going to get right into it with Nashville Soccer Club, uh, not just talking about ourselves, Speedway Soccer. Um, let's go through some recent results. It's uh, it's kind of been a mixed bag here just as it's been, uh, you know, over the course of the season. I tweeted out after last night's game, uh, it's kind of hard. You, you know, you can't really be too upset about second alone in the table. But when you look at some of the points that have been dropped by this team, um, particularly against opponents that are particularly injured, or uh, against like Eastern Conference bottom feeders, it's it's really a kind of a tale of what hey what could have been what what we've got's not so bad right if you're a fan out there you're thinking hey look man they're they're second in the table they're they're in a good spot um, but if you look at some of those points dropped I think people are going to be somewhat upset about them so uh, last night is another example of two points dropped at home uh orlando city good soccer team comes to town nashville is dominant early on Corey alexander first on the first progress can't hate me for that we like it cody um listen guys uh one one draw against orlando um that's a good soccer team missing a lot of good players again uh ben what's your overall take on the result last night and where it falls in the context of the season uh how much time do you have (laughs) limited limited actually so look i i don't really have a ton of issues with how they played the game i thought they were the better side for probably the first 30 minutes and and the last 15 20 20 minutes in the the second half um i think like we've seen all throughout the year they had plenty of chances to score um it's hard to fault cj sapong um obviously he got the goal but i i just I felt like they left a lot on the table um, in front of Orlando's goal in that first 30 minutes and then the second 15. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, I think they just could have done more in the second half off the bench. I, I, I told you this um, off-air, Davey. I don't have any issues with the subs that, that Gary Smith made, but I think each one of them has to be made 10, 15, 20 minutes earlier. Um, you got to get Daniel Rios and Dax McCarty on there earlier in the second 
in the second half. Um, I think Muil and Washington were both good, and I wanted them to have more time. And, and then the same thing with Akeloba. I mean, you're, you're chasing a goal at home, and your $7 million DP striker gets four minutes. Um, I get that there's an adaptation period, but he's he's played 45 minutes at a stretch. I, I think there shouldn't be any reason that he can't he can't give you 20 minutes off the bench. And I just think Nashville needed to be more aggressive um, just with their substitutions. And Orlando's a good team. I don't think it's the end of the world, but it's just it's just frustrating. And I, I think it's probably a result that they'll look back at the end of the year and, and wish they had gone for a little bit more. I mean, I think full-strength Orlando is a good team, but I don't think the team that was out there last night... I mean, you're missing Nani, you're missing DK, you're missing Galese. I mean, you're missing like quite a few like options and um, key starters and you have to go out there and uh and get get three points at home especially with how you've struggled uh on the road because right now we have 13 games left or yeah 13 games left in the season and then now you got to go out uh and you know only four of those are at home so you have to get those wins and and I felt that you know like you said Ben that everything was a bit too um late I especially think the Dax McCarty move came came 10 15 minutes too late because there was definitely instances where you know Nashville was struggling to possess the ball in the middle of the field and there just was like there need McCarty needed to come in and help recycle possession which he did a good job of um once he came on I, yeah just everything should have been earlier Josh we're in another group chat not the speedway group chat and our good friend Donald uh I think he said does your back hurt from how much water you carry? Because you had a very reasoned take after the game. I, I don't think you were carrying water, but I'd like to hear your thoughts because I think they'll be somewhat close to Ben. Yeah, I don't know. I find myself in a situation, you know, after this match that I, I do a lot of the time where I, I I come down like in a little bit of an opposite place. And I feel like a lot of the fan base does. So like a lot of people were like understandably on the one hand frustrated with what probably should have been a one nil draw turning into a, a one, a one zero win last night, turning into a draw. I can't help but look at it um, in the context of the game that we played on Sunday as well, not to get away from this match last night, but I think that that really um, makes this stretch of home games um, on Sunday. And then last night, four points from those against um, rivals in the table that are in a similar position in the, in the Eastern conference to us, I think four points from that, is a success, even though it's like everything with, with this team, it seems like we can't have like a 100% unqualified success. There's always like, yes, but you know, they're missing Nani. They're miss, they're missing DK. It's, it's an opportunity to take three points there for sure. But I just can't get too upset with um, taking four points from these two matches. Chris. Yeah, I think it's one step forward, one step back this entire season. You have a good result. Um, then we come back at home where it's like everyone's talked about. They were missing Nani. They were missing DK. Glace, Mueller didn't start. Um, and so while four points is decent, I, I kind of see that as the minimum for that homestand of, of two games. Um, that's what the bottom line expectation is. But you would like to see Nashville, you know, take the bull by the horns, get all six points, um, especially when these sides aren't fielding their first choice 11. Um, certainly Orlando's a good team, but that's not the full strength of Orlando that's as high as they are on the table for that reason. Um, so to me, it, it was disappointing. It, it's another chance that we could have taken that step to really um, push for a home playoff game, and we let it slip away. Um, and, and like what um, Ben was saying, the substitutions for me had to come earlier. Um, 
we needed more attacking threats out there earlier. And especially if you think about, you know, just the weather, it's a sloggy night. The legs are going to get more tired. I want to see those substitutions out earlier to get a little bit more energy out there. Yeah. So, so Ben Wright and I were talking about this earlier, the idea of, of, were the subs right? Should they have been made? And I, I was talking uh, with good Lord. I can't remember even when it was it John. Is that who it was on Twitter earlier? Ben, I sent you the link. I can't remember. Uh, Brian was the name, right? Good Lord. I'll find it here in a sec. Either way, here was the point. Uh, I was saying, I want to see Ake Loba before I see Taylor Washington, before I see Alex and wheel. I have no problem with those guys being subbed on. Uh, my issue is you're chasing a goal, uh, 7 million pound striker, on the bench, I think you have to have that guy on the field earlier. I asked Gary about it after the game, and uh, he kind of gave an answer, Ben. I know we're going to go into this in just a bit about the the, the kind of idea of he sees C.J. Sapong and Daniel Rios and Yonder Cadiz as these target strikers, center of the field. And then he sees Denlati, Hani, Leal, uh, and now Loba as guys who play off of those, those figures. What doesn't jive with me there uh, is the fact that he subs on Rios for Leal and then plays Rios wide. And so it's kind of like the exact opposite of what he's saying. These figures, he has them lumped in it. You, you get what I'm saying there, Ben? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that he did play Rios. I think he kind of switched it to, I would even call it a like a 3-4-1-2 a with Mukhtar underneath Sapong and, and Rios and kind of letting them both have more of a freed role. Um I don't have a problem with Rios being one of the first guys off the bench. Um, and I don't have a problem with him coming on before Loba. Honestly, I just, I think my main issue is that Rios got what 30 ish minutes and yeah. Loba got four. Um, right. I, I have no problem with Rios getting 30 minutes. I have, I have some issues with, with Loba only getting four. I think the only issue I even have with either of those guys only getting 30 is that it was pretty apparent that CJ was gassed at about 55, right? So it's, uh, and, and CJ stays on, Layal comes off. So look, I, I never, I, I've never coached soccer in my life here. So I'm not going to try to question Gary and his tactics and, and all of that. I, I, I think that's a, a weird trap people get caught in. It just seems interesting to me the answer he gave post game versus what we saw him do with the substitutions, I didn't think necessarily lined up apples to apples. Josh, you had a thought? Yeah, I just wanted to say, like, I ended up watching the second half of this game in the stadium with Slape, and we were discussing the way that the game had just become very, like, it was sort of in front of both teams, and it was sort of very tight. So, like, you know, we have different striker options. The ones that kind of we were discussing and, and we were saying would maybe make the most sense would be somebody a little pacier. Like it didn't have to necessarily be low, but I was wondering if it was a game maybe for Don Lottie to come on to bring on Rios, who has obvious ability, but is probably the least pacey striker option we have. I kind of wondered if, if he was the right choice to kind of break the game open and find the winner. Yeah, I was actually going to make the make the same point was I felt that there was there was a lot of opportunities to stretch the field. And we saw that, you know, what CJ, yes, he can hold the ball up and he's a target striker, but that guy still has um, a lot of pace and he was being able to beginning to be able to stretch the field. And so, um, yeah, I just feel like I thought that that Loba or even Dunlady were was a better option um, to come on there. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Look, on the flip side of those points, uh, there's plenty of chances in the box for plenty of guys to convert. And I would say, I, I say it all the time, I think Daniel Rio still is the best pure finisher on this team. So I don't really have a gripe with him coming on at all. But I think there was a place there for a guy like Loba or Dunlady earlier. Agreed 100% there. Guys, uh, the biggest context we've seen, uh, the, the biggest um, conflict we've seen on this team has been between their road form and their home form. We saw a little bit of dip in the home form last night. 
with a dropped uh, set of points against Orlando. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what is going on on the road versus at home. Uh, I, I think the idea um, – is like kind of baffling to fans out there. You see this team who's so dominant at home, like they put in such good performances, 5-2 against DC United the other day. Uh, and then you go on the road, you struggle, you lose to Miami, who, I mean, has been as bad of a team in the league. You drop points at Toronto. Um, Josh, we'll start with you on this one. What do you think's going on there? Yeah, it's the million dollar question, right? I mean, it's it's just, it's so, it's such a stark difference in the performances we've seen away from home and and in Nissan, um, Ben and Chris and I were trying to dig into this with numbers the other day um, in the Slack, and we couldn't really parse out anything conclusive. But to my eye, our games at home are a little bit more open. Like we allow more chances to occur for both sides. Um, and sometimes we've seen that that Nashville is able to kind of turn that into like an offensive landslide, uh, mostly through right now through the form of our front three, Leal, Mutar, and Sapong. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one to figure out. It's it's it's. I'm sure it's it's what's it's what's vexing Gary right now more than anything else. Um, I wonder if if we could maybe take a little bit of that more open game and, and take that to the road a little bit, especially after the loss at Miami, after like the draw at Toronto and the draw at New England. I was like, okay, we can keep doing what we're doing on the road. It's going to work eventually. Then after the loss at Miami, I was just like, all right, maybe this kind of allows us to open things up and try something different and maybe accept that there's going to be more chances created um, for the teams that we're playing against, but maybe we're going to have to just kind of rely on our defense and Joe Willis the way that we do at home on the road. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's, it's tricky to think. I, I think, I mean, if we could figure this out, I, I think we might have a role with a club because I, I don't think anybody <laughs> in MLS, I don't think anybody in MLS has been able to conclusively figure out why, teams struggle so much on the road it's like i think it's 53 percent of games in mls are won by the home team the road team wins like 21 or something like that um so i mean pretty steep odds anytime you you play away from home i think for nashville specifically one thing that really interested me after um the miami game i asked gary if he could if he had any idea what what the difference was playing at home and playing on the road and the first thing he said was just how hard it is for nashville to get in behind teams um, on the road. And I kind of wonder if that's an instance where like the, the solution becomes the problem. Like if they're so focused on, on getting in behind teams um, that it kind of disrupts how they play. Um, I think on the road, they seem a lot more willing to just kind of sit back and absorb pressure and also almost like invite teams to push their lines higher up. Maybe it's kind of intentional to try to get behind them, but I just feel like they're, the way they play on the road is much more conservative. It's much more putting guys behind the ball and trying to get in behind. Whereas like Josh said, when they're at home, it, it's a lot more free flowing. There are chances for both teams. And I think Nashville are able to kind of just, they're a better attacking side than most teams in the league. So it works out for them at home. And I get why you'd be more conservative on the road, but I, I kind of also would like to see a little bit more consistency just in how they approach games at, at Nissan stadium and on the road. I think the big, one of the big, biggest things on the road is the fact that uh, we're, we're giving too much uh, respect to some of these teams that we're playing. You know, Davey's been harping on the whole, this whole season, how we're dropping points against, um, the bottom, bottom half, of, uh, bottom just feeders. the bottom feeders. I mean, I know we got a, a huge result against the vaunted, uh, Toronto FC, but like, I mean, their last place in, in the Eastern Conference, it's ridiculous. 
Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate that slip. I was lectured on how good Toronto FC was, uh, and they've plummeted back to where they've belonged all season, which is bottom of the table. So interesting. Uh, Chris, you got any thoughts there? Yeah, so Josh kind of alluded that we kind of took a look at the numbers this past week trying to figure out something, and there wasn't anything that conclusive. But the one thing that really stuck out to me was you see uh, versus home versus away, the one thing that really caught my eye and increased was the amount of balls that we play that are high balls down the field. And that goes to what Ben was saying was that we're too often trying to ping it long, route one soccer, and it tires you out because you're losing possession quickly. You're on the road. You've had multiple road games in a row, and you lose your legs at the end of the game. So that may not be it, but it was certainly something that I found interesting in trying to dig into what is causing this uh, drop in road form. You know, uh, the one thing I'll point out is that, like, if you ask me what is the perfect road game Nashville played, uh, it's really not one on the road. I thought Nashville set up against New England at home, like in the perfect road game setup. They gave away the ball. Uh, they countered extremely well, limited chances in their own third, and come away with a two-goal victory. And, and it's like they did that at home that time. They failed to replicate that against sides who I think they, they should be able to do it against better. But like you said, Ben, I think if we cracked this, we'd be working for maybe not this club, but a club. So uh, it just is what it is there. Um, listen, uh, Ben, you you started putting together something earlier. We were talking about in the chat, and I think you and Chris did in the Slack as well. And it's how Gary Smith breaks down roles for his players. Um, let, let's kind of get into that conversation because I think it's interesting and I think it will be a little bit illuminating for how we should expect to see uh, um, Loba used over the course of the uh, next couple of months. Yeah, I mean, I think kind of what um, what started thinking, what got me thinking about this initially was just how he, kind of what you mentioned earlier. He talked about having guys like Sapong, Rios, Cadiz as his target strikers um, and then having guys like Mukhtar Leal uh, Lobo who are able to run off of strikers. And I think we're seeing that with how he pairs them. Um, even when they started, we saw, I believe it was Lobo and Cadiz up front, right? Um, I, I think when he comes on, you're seeing him with another one of those target strikers. And I think there's just something to Gary Smith really liking having him run off of, of a target striker, a guy playing with his back to goal. Um, and I think if if you kind of go down the roster you can see that whatever shape they're playing in it, whether it's the four four one one that they kind of set up in to start the year or this three four one two that they're playing in now, they're pretty consistent roles um, in both those systems. Um, you have guys like the target striker guys to run off of them. You have one of the wing backs, usually Dan Lovitz, who pushes up a lot higher into the attack and just whips balls in. You have a guy like Alistair Johnson on the other side, who's kind of a more possession oriented uh, wing back. Um, both the midfield roles are pretty similar, but then even in defense, whether it's in a, a back four or back three, you have a guy like Walker Zimmerman or when he's out, Jaleel Anababa, who seems like they're primarily in there um, to just break a play in the air, paired with a guy like Dave Romney or even Dave Romney and Jack Mayer, who are just really good on the ball. Um, I mean, Chris and Josh, we're still kind of we're we're kind of in the very early stages of of getting into this. But what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's proven to be a little bit of a difficult exercise. It wasn't as simple as um, just, you know, saying here's the depth chart of like um, fullbacks or wingbacks because um, going through this kind of reminded us of something that we've known about Gary since um, our USL days is that he really values versatility and all the players on this team have kind of played in a lot of different 
positions. So kind of codifying the roles could be very difficult. I mean, last night against DC, we saw Taylor Washington um, finishing the game as like a right wing back, right winger kind of role. So it, it, it's difficult and it can obviously change as the shape changes, the sort of part of the season that we're in now and kind of moving out of towards the, the third act of the season, if you will, is, um, you know, obviously been in this kind of, I don't know if you'd call it three, five, two um, shape, but, you know, the midfielders there you'll see in this graphic, like Godoy and McCarty are obviously kind of like the spine of the team. Romney and Zimmerman there as well with the ability to bring in a third center back. Um, but then outside of that, you'll see guys like Alistair Johnston playing in all kinds of different positions. Um, Taylor Washington, obviously, as we've discussed as well. Um, and then with the forwards, it's um, it's difficult and it will kind of look different when we've got three at the back versus when we have four at the back. So it's uh, it's, it's going to take a little bit of time to, to parse it out. Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing that this kind of exercise told us was that, you know, we as fans, we look at formations and, you know, the numbers and we kind of really peg people into those certain spots. But for Gary, it's like what we're talking about. It's the roles. The roles are the formation. The roles are what everyone goes back to. So when we do switch formations, it's really not that big of a change for the players to step in and perform a job because they know the job that they're already performing. It doesn't change so much if, you know, we're four in the back or three in the back or, you know, if there's two up top or three, whatever it may be, it's the roles that matter for Gary. And he certainly has guys who are versatile and know the role they're playing with in the squad. Yeah, and just a quick tag on that. Like, this is something that we see with pretty much all modern managers. Like, they, you'll, you really don't hear them discussing players in terms of like, this is our left back, or like, this is a, this is our right winger. Like, they describe players in terms of their attributes and like their roles that they can play if they're positioned in certain areas. So, um, you know, Gary doesn't, I feel, always get enough credit for his creativity and versatility. Maybe. We in attacking sense, but we do see it in the way that he uses everyone in the squad in creative ways. Yeah. I think one interesting thing um, that we've seen recently, Josh, you've, you've kind of been on this for a while, just is, is Alex Mwil and kind of his role. He started kind of only as a winger and recently we've seen him play a lot more central. I mean, he's, there have been times where he and Anunga have been the lone pairing in the center of midfield. Um, and then a lot of times it feels like the most common way he's been used in the last couple of weeks is he's been um, kind of coming in and turning it into a midfield three um, in a similar role to Randall Leal, um, but he, dropping a little bit deeper where he is in the midfield and kind of tasked with, with running forward um, and being probably the mo more aggressive of the midfield three. But I think it's a really interesting um, kind of development from him. And I think he's probably had some of the characteristics that you want from kind of a box-to-box -box midfielder, and he's played out wide. Um, but I'm I'm really interested to see if it continues and if he kind of eventually starts transitioning into more of like a full-time central role. Yeah, and I think this kind of, you know, we were talking about, you know, with Ake Loba, this kind of transitions to to where is, where is Loba's role in the team. And, and, you know, I know the graphic we have up is it's kind of more of that 3-4-2-1 two, one or three, four, three type formation. Um, but I really want to see, I mean, I think Loba can play a lot of these roles, like as you see on the graphic. So as a target striker, as the secondary guy, I mean, I think he can even play as an advanced runner, um, which we we've seen before um, him do in league MX. Um, but I just, I feel that like we've seen this, this, this three at the back, but I really want to see Loba, like we've seen him start games but we haven't seen him really spend any amount of time with 
the guys like Hani Mukhtar, Randall Leal, even CJ Sapong. I think that what what Loba can bring is a, is a good foil to CJ and would like to see, and it's probably going to be at, at home, but like that 4-2-3-1 where you're putting a guy like Loba out on the out on the right wing because we have seen him in instances, even you know the Miami game, I think of against New England, he's not afraid to work back. He's not afraid uh, to do that defensive work. And and yeah, he's no Alex Moyle I, from from that aspect. And and nobody really is in this league. But I mean, you got to get him, get him, get him some time on the field with those guys. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Slate. Uh, I mean, there's no one on the team more informed than CJ Sapong. And so if you're kind of trying to judge your new $6.8 million forward, uh, I would say, especially if you see him as that guy who plays off the first striker, plays as a second striker, getting him next to the guy who's playing that position as good as anybody in the league right now probably wouldn't be a bad look. I think that's just like a reasonable expectation for people to want to see. When I asked Gary last night about him, Ben, you were still on the call. I think his exact answer was he can play any position in any system. And it's like, well, if that's the truth, just give me one position in one system. I don't necessarily care which one it is. I just want to see the guy out there more, right? Like, I, I think that's a very, very reasonable take. And look, this is a thing that I think uh, people don't like to talk about, and it gets kind of messy here and there. Uh, I think optics do matter at some point in time. And uh, we've seen this team kind of run through a DP signing that is now not making the 18 regularly, two games in a row. Wouldn't be surprised if he comes back on for the Atlanta game, Yonder could ease. Uh, we see David Akam come make very limited appearances and move on. That's two of the bigger offensive signings in the club's history. Um, Hani Mukhtar's worked out great. Randall Leal's worked out great. I think you got a fan base who's wondering, hey, like, are high-profile offensive signings going to work out? And do I think there's anything to Loba sitting on the bench a little bit longer right now more than he's just getting sharpness, he's learning the system, he's working with other players? Um, I don't personally, but when you add in Lolly Pinera, when you look at David Akam, when you look at Yonder Cadiz, I think it's extremely easy for people to get a little bit fretful out there and not just be people like, Hey, were they being dumb on Facebook? Or all oh, the Twitter mobs being crazy? Like, I think there's some like reasonable apprehension when you kind of look at the totality of the signings up top. Anybody have any pushback against me there? I mean, all I'd say is I think it's super, super early to to judge Loba, and I'm not. Uh, that's not what you're yes, doing at all, right? That's sure. not what I'm doing. I agree. Yes. So I mean, I get the apprehension, um, but I think it's it's no time to panic at all, and I think we're probably going to see him come in, and I would say he's probably going to score five five to seven goals in the, in the rest of the season. I, mean, I think he's that good of a player. Um, for whatever reason, though, it feels like Gary takes his his time getting guys adapted to the team. Um, and, I mean, it, it's it's hard to fault. I, I don't think there's really anything negative you can say about Gary Smith over the last two years in MLS. I think he's been the perfect manager for the Nashville job. And I think really, in totality, he's hardly put a step wrong. I wouldn't mind seeing him just kind of throw a guy like Ake Loba off the deep end a little bit more. As long as he's fit, just give him minutes and kind of let him work himself into contention that way. Um, but, I mean, it, it feels a little bit nitpicky, uh, especially when their attack is is performing towards the top of the league. But, yeah, I mean, I think Loba's going to come good here pretty quickly. Yeah, I think the really unbelievable form of CJ Sapon puts us in a nice position with Loba to where we can ease him in, like – as the sign, I mean, we've been following him, you know, tracking him as a club for so long now, a year and a half or however long it's been. Obviously, he's been a target 
so we know that he's someone that I think the club sees like a piece of the Nashville SC squad probably forward. Um, I don't know that they, you know, as up the Loba deal, expected that Sapong would be playing so excellently. Um, I think it gives us a little bit more time to bed Loba in, in a way that maybe will benefit him in the long run by having less pressure on him right now. To- yeah, I guess we didn't spend, you know, nearly $7 million on a, a striker or attacker just for him to sit on the bench. So I, I've got to imagine that there's a plan in place. And it's like what we we're saying that, you know, no one was expecting CJ Sapong to be playing out of his mind, best form of his life. Um, so if there's ever that dip in form, I think you are going to see Loba get a lot more time up at that, you know, center forward spot. Um, you could see him as well, you know, if Honey has an injury or just needs some rest. Um, so there'll be time for Loba to, to get his minutes and make his mark on this club. They certainly did not spend all this, you know, time chasing him, and they've had this admiration for him since day one um, for him not to get some time into this club. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about it just yet. I think all of those takes are very, very reasonable. Um, the guy's got to start getting minutes soon. There's just no way around it, man. Especially when you're dropping points at home like this. He's got to get more than two minutes. I don't care. Like, I want to see just him. Doesn't... I want to see him. I know, I know. He's got to get more than two minutes in a game where you're down a goal. Uh, or not down a goal, when you're chasing a goal at home, when you're on the road form you've been in this season, your $7 million forward's got to play more than two minutes. That's I'm not like impatient. a take. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that all of us are in a way, even the, the reasonable takes here do want to see him more. But I think last night was a night where we could have gotten more of him in a very comfortable environment for him. Um, you know, uh, I think the counter argument is what has he done production-wise when he's been on the field? Should have a game-winning assist, but um, we won't go too far down that rabbit hole. But still too uh, soon. Still too soon. I think. I mean, I mean you got to say is he hasn't played with the really with the first team, so yeah, you know. Yes. Well, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see him next to CJ. But I, I, I to your point, I, I think Ben he will come out very soon. I think he'll come good. This to me is not a Cadiz. It's not an Akam. It's just taking a little bit of time, and I think it'll be worth it when we get there. So. Um, all right, let's kind of move along, guys. We're, we're a little bit past the midway point now, but we want to do a bit of midseason review tonight. So I'm going to start with this one. Um, what letter grade would you all give uh, the team through the first 20 games that they have played? Uh, let's start with Slate. Uh, if you would have said at the beginning of the season we were in second place at this point, I would have said an A. Uh, I'm going to give it a B just based on the number of points that we have left on the like we've left on the table this team could i'm not saying they're a supporter shield contender but i mean they are pushing right up there at the top and i think that you know that's the only thing you got to say that you know where this team could be ben yeah i i think probably b plus a minus range is fair i mean i i get the missed opportunities and i think i mean yeah those are those are legitimate frustrations I think, but I think context is also important. I mean, how many year two expansion teams have you seen towards the top of the table for for really the entire season? Nashville has been up towards the top of the table. I mean, Atlanta won it in year two. Like we got to quit thinking of ourselves as just an expansion as well. But who? Okay, can you name anyone else besides Atlanta and LAFC who spent probably three times what Nashville has? 
I mean, the, I, I mean, Seattle was has been yeah, there ever since they I, came. And I'd pick at that, Ben, because I would say, look, like okay, if, let's if do the it. whole strategy, if the whole strategy is, hey, we're going to spend way less money than everybody else, then the excuse can't be, hey, we spend way less money than. No, everybody. I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm just saying that uh, in I mean, in context of being a, a year two expansion team, and given that they're second in the East, I think it's it's fair to say, yeah, the the misses are frustrating. They should have probably seven or eight more points than they do, but yeah. still second in the table, 20 games into a season. I think that's B plus a minus is completely fair. Yeah. That's I, all I'm I, saying. And I'll go now. Actually a B plus is probably what I would say too. Um, a thing that I'm working on personally is like, I don't think you can move the goalpost on the goal. Right. So we came into the season we said, I said, I thought fourth place hosting a home playoff game was like the ceiling for the team where I thought that they would get to. Uh, and currently they're on the edge of on track for that it's going to be a little bit tough i think to get that home playoff game but i think they're pretty close so i would have said that's an a at the start of the season i'm willing to say b plus even with the points dropped but i do i get apprehensive about what you had said there ben because it's like if the goal is going to be we want to feel the best team possible and spend half as much as the other best teams in the league then i can't hear that being an excuse yeah no gotta just be what it is yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to use spending as an, as an excuse. I'm just saying if you look at the the the, the record of expansion teams, Nashville's yes, in pretty rarefied air. And the only reason I brought up spending is because the two teams who you can probably say out outperform them also significantly outspending spend them. I'm not saying that's an excuse to to lower the expectations for Nashville. I'm just saying if you look at it on face value, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I, that's very, very fair. We got two comments from Daniel Ryan. Josh, the lettuce looks incredible. A Davy is harsh. We'll talk about that over dinner Saturday night, Daniel. We'll, we'll get to that that weekend on the weekend. Thanks, uh, Josh. Josh, let's jump to you next, actually, with the incredible lettuce. <laughs> um, yeah, I opted for an A minus. Um, I think the objective was to make the playoffs again, solidify some of the things that we were building last year, carry them into this year, and improve the attack. And if you think about it, we're tracking on all of those. So I'm not sure it can be less than an A. It's an A minus for me, not quite an A just because one, the drop points early in the season and just kind of missed opportunities in general based on what the teams around us have done. Like, I think that kind of diminishes a little bit what we've done. And really, I can't get out of my head the current lack of like a really strong road performance um, to hang our hats on just so we could say like, we can go and do that on the road. It's, it's again, it's like everything else with this team. There's no such thing as like an unqualified success. So like, I think the draw at New England, I think makes sense. I think the draw at New England was a hell of a result to be uh, just me personally. Now I need a win though, man. I yeah. Need I need a win. A win. I, I'm with you. I get it. But, but to you me, go to the, the supporter shield winner, the guy, the team that's in this leading the supporter shield race and get, um, get a, get a result. I think that, as, twice as harsh as I've points. been, like they that that was a fantastic result. It's a great result, and he, and we'll go to Chris right after this. I mean, that's what I'm saying is like you beat New England home, you play right there with them on the road. That team is miles better than every other team in the East right now. That is the level of Nashville Soccer Club when they're playing their best. We just haven't seen the best often enough. Chris, your next chance. Yes, I I would grade it as a B plus. I had this team predicted at the beginning of the year playoff bubble, and it's kind of where we're going to probably track to end up. But it's like what everyone's saying. It's those missed opportunities that we feel, and you can see it on the pitch, we're better than what our record says. We know it, we feel it, and we can see the points being dropped. But I also think that it's good to put it in context in terms of other expansion teams. So 
So yeah, you know, Atlanta won a title, LAFC won the Supporter Shield. And they're constantly talked about, you know, expansion teams that change the MLS, that, you know, change the whole way of looking at it. In Nashville, we kind of did the same thing. We, we did it a different way. We didn't go out and spend on flashy, you know, big time, high money stars. We proved that there was another way to build within the league. And we've had more success doing that than any expansion team before us. So from that standpoint, I, I still give it as an overall program for the first two years an A plus because who else has been in this situation two years in? That's a great point. Uh, and to, to Daniel's comment about me being harsh, nothing sums up me and Ben better as people as us arriving at the same letter grade there uh, and saying the two sets of things that we said about <laughs> the, the letter grade. So that's just kind of a little lesson on who we are as people. Guys, midseason MVP. Um, I'll, uh, I, I will, Josh, we'll start with you on this one. Okay, if I'm first, I'll, I'll take the easy one, or, or maybe it's not. I'm curious for everyone else's answers, but it's actually CJ Sapong for me. I think that just him individually has taken this attack to the next level. Um, and, you know, I've, I've thought for a while and I've talked with people about, you know, wanting the Randall Al and Hani Mukhtar, needing a third person like a striker in front of them to kind of bring the best out of those two and how like it's pretty obvious when you're watching Nashville that those are like the guys that have like the most kind of quality the most creativity and they just need kind of that third component and Sapong has been that you know not just in making those two better but in the goals that he scored himself I I've kind of become obsessed with CJ Sapong like frankly I had no idea that he was like this good of a striker that he was this all around of a striker he kind of has everything some of the headed goals alone that he's scored have been outstanding and um he's, he's mvp he's also my biggest surprise of the season i, I like i said i i, I can't get enough to see this far right now uh chris let's go to you next yeah so my mvp is it's hani mutar um yeah cj's opponent has been great he's been playing my town but for me hani he's the straw that stirs the drink he gets everything else going on the offense. Um, he's dynamic. He has this creative touch that no one else on the field has. And if you look at, you know, his goals, his assists, I mean, he, he's tracking to be one of the better attackers in this league. I think it's about time that the rest of the league start paying attention and, and start putting him in that conversation with, you know, the Carlos Hills, the Pozuelos, the Zellerians, because he has that level of impact on the field, and he's shown it since the last part of 2020. Um, so for me, it, it's, it's Hani Mukhtar. He's playing at another level that we haven't seen in above anybody else for Nashville. Ben? Yeah, I mean, I was I agree with Chris. Um, 19 matches for Mukhtar, 15 combined goals and assists. I mean, it's hard to get much better than that. Um, I, I forget what – I remember we previewed him at the beginning of the year. I think, Davey, you said that he would be kind of – controversially left out of the best 11 at the end of the year. Yeah, I wanted to, uh, I, I didn't have enough conviction to name him as MLS best 11, but I, I said he would be in the conversation for I mean, it. I think he's very firm. I think there. it's probably, it's probably tracking towards that because I think yeah. guys like Carlos Healer are going to get in ahead of him. Yeah. Um, and probably, probably deservedly so, but he's right on the cusp of that producing looks like the most dangerous player whenever he's on the field. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's the step that you wanted to see him take, um, and I think what, that we all wanted to see him take from from year two, to, sorry, from year one to year two. And I think he's just continuing the form that we that we saw from him down the stretch. I mean, in the playoffs against Orlando, 
uh, sorry, against Miami, against uh, Toronto, against Columbus, even when they, even though they lost, he was one of the, if not the best player on the field. And I think you're just seeing that from him and you're just seeing the consistency that he lacked last season. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's finally living up to expectations and, and for me, he's the MVP. Well, and just kind of tacking onto that real fast. Um, I think that's why it's such a travesty that he didn't make the all-star game. Uh, Cause I think more people seeing him, it, it kind of is just going to raise his case for things like MLS best 11 MVP, all those things that I think he's on the edge of those conversations. Um, I think he was firmly an all-star player and that he didn't make it as ridiculous. And it's like, you're in a small market like Nashville, you're a little bit newer. Not everybody's watching your game on the West Coast, all of that stuff. Um, it matters, and and unfortunately for Honey, I think it's going to cost him come under the year that he he wrongly didn't get in the All Star game. Slate, uh, who you got? I I'll give a little bit of a uh, under the radar one. I'm going to go Dave Romney. I mean, Dave wow. Romney, as of last night, has played all 70 hours of Nashville SC's um, available minutes, um, which is just absolutely crazy. The fact that um, you know we saw through this period of of injuries and international duty uh, he was the lone rock he was the cornerstone of that of that defense throughout throughout all of that um and i know he's not the flashiest of the center backs i mean a lot of the other guys get that love but i mean he is just so consistent so absolutely calm under pressure um and is always there and you know, performs whatever is asked of him. So, I mean, it's, and it still just blows my mind that uh, LA Galaxy just let him walk for, I mean, for 250000 in in allocation money. It just, it blows my mind. It's less than an international roster spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that. Less than, less than an international spot's going right now. It's absolutely insane. Um, I, that's a great shout, Slip. I really like that one. Look, my, my answer is Hani. Um, for the reasons we've already talked about, I touched on Ben's answer. I think Chris and Ben both nail it well. But to Josh's point, I'll say this. Uh, the story last year of Hani Mukhtar was, hey, how much better would this guy look uh, if he had a, a center forward who's bagging goals looking next to him? Yeah. Hey, what has he got this year? He's got a center forward who's bagging goals, and he looks like the guy we all expected him to be. So I think CJ's a really, really fair shout. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll stick with Hani just because I kind of put my eggs in that basket at the beginning of the season. But it was the question we were all asking last year. The question was answered, and Hani looks like the guy at the 10 in MLS. I think it's awesome to see. Uh, biggest surprise was next. Josh, you already missed it. Uh, positive surprise, CJ Sapong. Anybody have a different answer than CJ Sapong? I've got one. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so it's Luke Hockerson. I mean, yeah, it's a good one. It, it, it's not even just so much him. I've also got to tag on with it a shout out to Mike Jacobs because you found a guy in the fourth round of the MLS draft who, while he hasn't played a ton of minutes, he was a game changer. He came into that Toronto game and won us a game. That's three points right there from him. In in an era where there's plenty of clubs, Philly comes to mind off the top of my head, that they straight up just don't select players in the Super Draft anymore. For Jacobs to continually find productive players later in the draft is a great, great thing for Nashville SC. And all credit to Luke Hawkinson. He had the loan move last year and has come in. And when called upon, made a difference for this club. Anybody else other than Hawkinson and CJ? Anybody yeah, else? I got one. Go ahead. I, I think for me, Taylor Washington in in the games that Dan Lovitz missed, I think he was the level didn't drop at all, uh, which is huge. Given I mean, Lovitz is legitimately one of the better creators in MLS, and I think Washington came in and filled in for him 
and Nashville didn't miss a beat. And I think he's, I don't know, they might get offers for him at, at the end of the season because I think he looks like a, a starting caliber left back in MLS. Um, and I think he he just keeps whoever Nashville brings in. They've brought in some pretty big attackers, and Washington is on the bench and one of the first names off the bench every week. And so I, I think last season we saw him involved, and it, you kind of wondered if it was just that Nashville was still kind of building a squad and still relying on those USL guys. And he's, just, he's stuck around and he performs every week. That's a great shout. Um, I think between those three guys, you've got a great pick for biggest positive surprise, no matter where it falls. Um, and Taylor, talk about a guy who you just, it's impossible not to root for him. As nice as they come, works hard, does it all the right way. And like a Nashville guy, he's in his fourth season here now. I mean, he's like a lifer. So uh, it's great to see. I think you're right, though, Ben. Uh, lucky to hold on to him as long as they can. Uh, negative surprise. Um, I'll let someone else take the easy one off the top. Uh, Slape, if you want to do so, that. Surprise, surprise. I'm playing on negative surprises. <laughs> um, Slape hates things you like. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is. I mean, maybe this is one I, I, I hate that everyone else hates this as well. Uh, or I don't know. But I mean, it's it's Rodrigo Pinheiro. I mean, I think the fact is, I didn't have the expectation that he was going to come in. Um, and light this league on fire and be a, an automatic starter from day one. Um, but the fact that he has you know been on the bench for, I think at this point, three instances, he's played a total of, let's say, 16 minutes um, and has looked good in those, in those outings and in those op- opportunities. Um, and the fact that he hasn't he hasn't been there like he hasn't been making the bench whatsoever is not getting those opportunities i think is the the biggest negative surprise for a guy you're gonna go spend 1.8 million on uh chris let's go to you i mean it's got to be under because it's a dp striker who is no longer even making the game day squad he had a chance that we i mean i hate to relive it but we all saw it in miami had a chance to win it and put it wide um I went to bat for him at the beginning of the year. I really thought that last year was just about him being out of shape, um, just needing to gel with the rest of the team. But it's simply he just doesn't have it at this level, whatever it may be. And to me, being a DP striker and not being on the team sheet, that's got to be your biggest disappointment. More so than a a U22 player, you you can take a little bit more time in Pinheiro to integrate into the club. He's got a lot of time. Uh, Cadiz, we simply don't have that. Uh, just so everybody out there knows, we are not trying to just give you a close-up of my face for the rest of the show. Uh, our producer, Andy, is having some connection issues, so we'll keep it rolling for now. Uh, sorry uh, for the delay on my face. Josh, you have one that is not a player. I'm interested. Yeah, I'm glad I can just view your response to this as I'm... Uh, oh, here we go. Here it is. Yeah, the biggest negative surprise for me has been the set-piece shakiness and, yeah. like, the fact that this team has kind of been built off of like a solidity, you know, you think that that solidity and that defensive, like, you know, strength would apply to set pieces as well, but it just seems to be limited to the run of play. And we've seen this shakiness on set pieces, you know, that's, we've talked a lot about like, you know, why it's hard for the season to be, you know, raw, raw, 100% unqualified success as we talk about it because of like missed opportunities. And a lot of those have been the result of, set piece shakiness and it you know it's the reason why last night wasn't the one nil win that it probably should have been last night you know needs to be a one zero win if we are going to talk about this being like an a plus season so the shakiness on set pieces has been like extremely surprising to me and, and disappointing 
Yeah, it's, yeah. it's been forty percent of their goals this year. Wow. Which is you would never have dreamed that after last season. Yeah, imagine how we'd be looking at this team like without even, you know, most or let alone all of those goals that have just come from, you know, dead ball situations. And like you can see how frustrated Gary is with it, too. But at the same time, you know, how is this continuing to happen? It's it's a, it's, it's a question that, you know, can't get out of my head. We saw how frustrated Jalila and Ababa was last <laughs> night, too. Yeah. When that, yeah, goal, when that, that was... goal went in. Mm-hmm. Ben, uh, what's your surprise negative? I was going to say set pieces. Um, I think, uh, yeah, just overall, I think just the kind of it, uh, maybe an extension of set pieces, but I, th- I think the defense has just been softer than I expected. Um, even from open play. I mean, there have been moments where, especially earlier in the season, I think it's been cleaned up a little bit in recent weeks, but they were just beaten over the top really easily um, in ways that you wouldn't expect for a team that has Walker Zimmerman defending. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Josh touched on it on all the all the major points, but I did not expect Nashville to concede some of the goals that they've conceded this year. And I think really um, even more than some of the missed chances that they've had in front of goal, I think just the conceding the, the way they have has, has cost them pretty a significant chunk of points. I think that's a great shout. The, the set pieces, I think Lolly was a great shout. Um, Yonder obviously is the biggest one to me. I think that's what I, my, my first gut answer would have been. But my second one that I kind of had in my whole time, no one else said, which kind of surprised me, is uh, Henwala Buana. I, I thought kind of coming into the season, he was a guy who I never totally understood his role and, and why Gary liked it so much. But it was really, really apparent towards the end of the season last year that Gary did like what he had to offer. And he got a ton of minutes. He obviously sit Madranda plus cash there for him, Mike Jacobs. And uh, he comes in the beginning of the season. I thought he played okay, and then it's just like the guy disappeared off the face of the earth. And so uh, I think it's almost just like a surprise and how like weird it was, how it all went down. Um, thought it was a guy that the club had kind of high aspirations for that seems, I mean, clearly just nowhere near even the 18 anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was odd. Uh, good answers all around there. I think there's kind of, you know, the, the idea that uh, there's plenty of negative surprises despite where this team is on the table is kind of a testament to what we've talked about. Hey, just one note on on Hunwala. He hasn't been in, he hasn't been in a match day squad since the three two win against Toronto um, back on what is it June twenty third. So going on two months that he hasn't even been in the team. I yeah, think that's really I, I literally job. just thought to myself, I was like, am I forgetting that he got loaned, like or something? You know what I mean? Like it's been that long, and he's just not around. So yeah. it's just interesting, man. I don't know, and I don't think it's good for anybody. I don't think it's obviously good that the club spent the capital that they did. I don't think it's good for a player that young to not be getting anywhere near the match day eighteen. So and it's probably not a fair, like maybe not a fair conclusion, but it is hard to kind of wonder what could have been with Jimmy Madronda playing a pretty significant role for Seattle, who were. One of, if not as the best good teams of in the league, anybody in the league, right? Yeah, yeah. But. No, that's. I don't think it's unfair to ask that. I think you're right on the money with it, um, guys. Expectations for the rest of the season. Uh, Nashville sit on second. Then um, you got a points per game that they'd have to average for any of those things. I know that's putting you on the spot. Um, I know right now they're they're taking about point seven points per game on the road. Um, the current model that we that I have, um, which literally just averages everybody's points per game over their remaining games has Nashville taking seven from those and still finishing in right around six and seventh. Okay. Um, it with all their issues on the road, I think the best possible thing for Nashville is how bad Columbus has been yep. um, because they're putting a decent cushion in between themselves and Nashville. Um, so Nashville has a little bit of wiggle room. Um, 
their their home form is is solid, and I think it's the type of thing that if they pick up a win or two on the road and they're playing a good chunk of their away schedule is against teams towards the bottom of the table. They'll play, they'll play Toronto, they'll play Cincinnati, um, they'll play Columbus. The vaunted so, Toronto FC. Sorry, vaunted. vaunted. Toronto, yeah. Sorry. About that. Yeah, that was that that worked out well for about a week, and then they just kept plummeting. Um, but Nashville will have chances to get points on the road. They'll have tough games too. They'll play Orlando and, and Philadelphia, but they really, I mean, it's what we haven't seen from them all year. Honestly, they have yeah. to, they have to take their chances. Just got to actually do teams. it. Right. Yeah. If they do, I mean, you could see Nashville continuing to stay towards the top of the table. And I think they probably have a legitimate shout for a top four spot, but that's going to take three or four wins from their next 10 road games. And that's just not something that we've seen them do. Yeah, I think uh, yes. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think on my end, I I think that Nashville will finish fifth throughout the rest. Barely miss out on that top four um, those home playoff games, which I mean, fifth puts us. A, it's an improvement on the the previous year. So I mean, that's a success. But I think that I think Nashville just barely misses out on hosting that home playoff game. Chris. Yeah, so similar to Ben, I've got a model as well that I kind of use to keep track of teams. It really looks at more of what's the average points per game for a typical MLS team. And so right now, Nashville's tracking towards uh, 50 points in the year, which would finish them fifth or sixth range. Um, that being said, the one thing you've got to look out for is if we keep dropping some points on these remaining home games, that means you really do have to go out and get some road dubs in order to keep that spot. Luckily, you know, Columbus, Atlanta, New York Rebels are helping us out by, you know, not winning often enough to really put some pressure on us. But it's the MLS. Things can change really quickly. So we can't let that happen. And we've got to be cognizant of that and pick up these points on the road. Um, we, we can't simply just lose points to bottom feeders. Josh. Yeah, so, like, everything we've talked about tonight, like, you know, we're second in the table. Like, we should sound probably more excited, but I think everyone understands that the position in the table right now in the Eastern Conference is, like, a little bit of an illusion. It's also, you know, we're propped up by our front-loaded home schedule and, like, having to go on the road now primarily for this backstretch of the season and we haven't really seen things clicking on the road. It makes it hard to be too bullish on what I think this team's going to do in the back half of the season. I do think like we'll continue to see the attack explode occasionally. I think we'll maybe even see it on the road at some point. And we, I think we will see a win on the road at some point. I will predict that. Um, but yeah, I mean, still questions to be, to be answered. I think we need to find a way to get Ake Loba incorporated and try to make sure, you know, one that we're obviously in the playoffs. I'm not too worried about falling out of that picture, but making sure that we're, poised to, you know, make a run similar to what we did last year. If we want to keep, you know, moving things in a, in an upward trajectory coming off of our successes from last year. I think I'm going to shock everybody here. I'm, I'm going to keep, uh, I, I honestly, if they would have won last night, I would have come in and said, I think that they're going to finish second. Uh, I just think they're kind of on the prep precipice of a little bit of a breakthrough, especially with Lopa going to get some minutes soon. I, I'm going to say, I think they finish as high as third. Um, I said fourth preseason, um, I could see New York City jumping them and finishing in second fairly comfortably. Uh, I think Philadelphia has kind of shown some defensive lapses over the last few weeks that I think make them a little bit vulnerable for the run in. 
Uh, Orlando's got some injury issues that I think they're going to let up some kind of easy points along the way. And, uh, you know, the, the big one for me is, um, is, uh, sorry, is, um, New York city. I think we'll, we'll, we'll finish ahead of them. So I, I think we'll fend off Philadelphia and Orlando finish in third place. Um, but you guys are right. I mean, the points, it's just math at this point. Like, you're running out of games to make up room. Like you said, luckily, other clubs have kept Nashville kind of afloat um, with some bumper room that they should not have based on their own performances. But, look, that's sports, man. And so uh, I think if people are going to give you slack, you've got to kind of take advantage of it. We saw this team turn it on over the last course of the, over the course of the last two months last season, and, and I'll give Gary the benefit of the doubt. I think he'll do it again this season. Yeah, that that's pretty similar to what I was hoping to say here. Um, I think we've seen in MLS time and time again, like it doesn't really matter where you are on the table in in July, August, but if you can get hot at the right time, I mean it's it's what Seattle has traditionally done, and I think this year is an exception because they've just been hot throughout the so entire good. season. But they'll they'll hang on towards the towards the bottom playoff spots, and then just the last month or two of the season, just absolutely take off, move up the table. And they're on fire during the playoffs. And I think MLS, more than probably any other league, is all about peaking at the right time. Um, so, yeah, I think it's easy to get hung up on one or two results. Uh, and there have been some results that are just completely frustrating and, and understandable to get to get upset about. I think it's important to remember, though, that the season is long. Seven teams from each conference get into the playoffs. And we've seen it from Nashville before, like you said, Davey. I mean, if they get hot at the right time, I think they're a team that's kind of built to play in the playoffs. So I think getting a home playoff spot, I think has to be the priority. And I, I just think if they can stay in the conversation until September, even October, and then just go on a run, I think that's probably the best case scenario for Nashville. I think on the flip side, peaking too early is a concern. Um, and so I think it's going to be important that as good as the attack has been, that they don't, that that doesn't just drop off. I think you need to see Loba get involved um, and really push Sapong because right now there's no one in the squad really competing with CJ Sapong. But doesn't that got to be Rios? Rios has got to push Sapong. Whoever it is, you need yeah. to see someone push Sapong because, I mean, it can't just be Sapong. It's not right. Cadiz. Um, I think that's Clearly. unfortunate. I think you're, you might be seeing it from Rios now. I mean, he's he's come off the bench in the past two games, and I think he, he looks good. Um, you have options, but I, I think really the, the priority has to be maintaining this level in the attack, shoring up some issues in defense. And I, I think if they can do it, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to bet against them. Yeah, I think it. You know, it's interesting, and and like I think you're right. Peaking in kind of the valleys. Um, look, if Nashville, we do run the risk of the fact that they may have ran uh, through their peak already and right. played pretty good, and they're going to be worse with these road games down the road. I, I think there's still something in the tank. So we're just, you know, could be dead wrong. That's just my gut feeling right now. I'll give, like I said, I'll give Gary the credit until um, kind of disproven there. His teams have been good at the end of the season. Every season he's been in Nashville. So I'll stick with that. Guys, that's kind of the end of the planned remarks tonight. Um, would be uh, an idiot if I didn't mention uh, USA versus Canada coming up Sunday, September 5th, Labor Day weekend. You don't have anything to do the next day if you haven't gotten your ticket already. Go get them. Slate, there's still tickets in AO, right? Yes, so there, there's still tickets tickets in the, in the AO in the supporter section. Um, also, don't forget there is an NSC game on that um, you know, that Friday. So you can, I mean, so you can do... You know NSC and uh, 
and national team. Um, also, keep an eye out on all the American Outlaws Nashville stuff because there will be everything posted for you know the normal night before party tailgate. Um, we have some really cool merch coming, some some match specific uh, merch coming that we will make sure that um, maybe we'll give a sneak peek to some of the uh, to the Speedway Soccer crowd um, before those come out. But but keep an eye on on all of that. Um, and you know, also I know actually, Davey, I'll let you plug on the stuff from, you know, what both, uh, Garber and Burhalter had to say, you know, specifically about this game. Yeah. Make sure you check those pods out. If you haven't already Nashville soccer show, we sat down with, uh, Garber, uh, Don Garber and Greg Burhalter talking about the upcoming match and us men's national team in general, MLS in general, both really, really good interviews. Lucas and will took Garber and I was in on the one with uh, Burhalter. And then Ben and I sat down with Brian McBride the other day, general manager of the us men's national team. So kind of to prime you up for those game, those three podcasts are perfect to get out there and listen to them, uh, before that game comes. We're going to have something else coming for Nashville Soccer Show, too. I'll, I'll plug that a little bit later, but more stuff on the way about that U.S. men's national team game, so keep your eye out for that. And then, hey, next Saturday, we will be at Fat Bottom Brewery. It's our headquarters for away watch parties. I'm, I'm pretty sure most of us will be there. Make your way over there. It's a great time, great spot to watch the game. Usually about 25, 30 people out there. Usually no SG affiliations, just people who like soccer. So I know a lot of our, our listeners aren't a member of any SG. They just show up at the stadium. They hang out. Come hang with us. We'd love to see you there. Great spot to do it. $3 pitch invasions. Always fun. Uh, we hope we'll see you there. Guys, any parting shots before we get out of here? Yeah, guys, just one quick shout-out to one Knoxville SC, Brandon Unveil here in Knoxville. Love it. Uh, USL2 club that's going to be starting next year. So they just um, released their crest today. Uh, Matthew Wolf did it, killed it. Really excited for the club here, um, and go support local soccer. Very cool, very, very, very cool. Glad to see uh, another city in town, uh, in the state rather, get get a, a another USL club. We've got them kind of all over the state now. Awesome to see uh, for soccer in this country. We love it. Well, guys, it's Speedway Soccer. Uh, we're glad you listened tonight. We're glad you're going to check it out on the podcast if that's how you got us. Uh, make sure you like, rate, review. And uh, come back next time. We'll be back soon. It won't be as long of a break. Nashville Soccer Show next week, uh, Tuesday night, 9 p.m. We'll be back to break down what happened in MLS over the weekend. Probably take a uh, talk about a bludgeoning that Arsenal is going to take uh, at the hands of Chelsea as well. Uh, so there's lots to cover coming up. But not just because there's no NSC game doesn't mean we won't have stuff to talk about there. We'll see you soon, guys. I'm Davey. They're Ben, Chris, Josh, and Slate. Andy on the ones and twos. We'll see you soon. Josh with his first cap. We loved it. We appreciate you, man. Thank you, guys. Everybody have a great night.